It's good to be here. Good morning to everybody that's watching online. Uh, I have a, a few notes. Um, this morning, I want us to, um, to address kind of things that are going on in this world. And I heard a statement uh, this last week uh, that said that we have lost uh, the ability to have a conversation. And as, as a people, as a culture, we have lost the ability to just uh, sit and have a conversation. Uh, and so um, we have to be able to have conversations. Uh, because what's happened is we've, uh, we've kind of... Um, diluted our ability to have conversations down to pushing buttons and comments and um, maybe re- you know emotions and things like that and and what happens is in those kinds of environments you don't get to hear heart and you don't get to hear the what's going on in someone's life and so uh, we felt as a staff that it would be important for uh, us to kind of have a conversation uh, this morning and. Uh, and to address some things that uh, has, that have taken place over this past week, just in uh, our staff and uh, and with uh, just the realization that um, that there is a lot that we have to learn, all of us. And and I just want to I just want to start by uh, saying this, and I, I I promised I promised Lucy that I wouldn't talk the whole time. Um, she knows me well. Uh, but I, I do want to just do this. I just want to get this out of the way. Uh, what I want to get out of the way is the yeah buts. I talked about this last week in my message. And, uh, and I think that there is, and I'm starting to see it more and more, this growing sense of, uh, of yeah buts that are taking place. And, and I, I know them. I'm aware of them. I'm aware of, of the yeah buts. And, and I just want to say publicly, and I think Lucy would agree, I know Lucy would agree with me, that, the, that this conversation has nothing to do with uh, whether or not we love our law enforcement officers. We, of course, do. This, has, this conversation has nothing to do with, with politics, although I think politics has, uh, in some ways, hijacked things. And so what's happening right now is we're getting uh, solutions that are political solutions that aren't helpful right now. And so we're, we're seeing that take place. I'm aware of autopsy reports and things that are coming out on Facebook, and I'm aware of all of this stuff, but what's happening is all of this stuff is taking away from an issue that I think we don't really realize, that many of us, I won't say we, that I did not realize um, was, was still as big of an issue as it is. Listen, nobody likes looting, right? And, and so we can just say that. We may understand perspectives, and, and we may need to understand perspectives more, but, but nobody's crying out, uh, hey, looting is a great thing. It's a good thing. And yet when you see people respond, it's almost as if they've gone completely distracted from the thing that we need to be talking about as the church. And we've refocused our time and energy on the other things that are, are, are these, I don't know what to say, these, um, these, just these things that have come out of it. And so I just want to just, just put all of that stuff aside if we can. 
to, if we could just for a moment just take all of the stuff that you're seeing on social media and all of the, the news, we can all agree that the news is sketchy. Mainline news is sketchy. Can we just agree on that? It doesn't matter what you're watching. It's like they all have their agendas. And so could we just put all of that stuff aside? And could we have a conversation about something that I believe is biblical, that I believe is moral, and it's something that, as the church, we should, be, we should be leading the way in, having conversations and doing everything that we can so that we're not having these five years, 10 years, 30 years from now. So I say all that to say, I'm going to say, I'm probably going to stick my foot in my mouth today. I'm probably going to say something stupid before this day's over. I've been anxious about it all morning, uh, actually, and last night, but but can we just agree that I'm going to say something stupid probably today and, and that I'm just going to do my best to navigate this and, and, and have a conversation that's helpful because I'm sick of unhelpful conversations. So, so I've asked Lucy to be here. We had a conversation um, on Tuesday with the staff. Uh, and I think for all of us as a staff, there was um, a sense of, repentance and a, and a real sense of um, sorrow of how, how maybe we were handling things. Uh, so why don't you share with us a little bit um, your heart about maybe that meeting um, and some other things that just have, have been on your heart recently. Um, yes, and good morning, family. I've had several family members tell me that they're going to watch. I hope they remembered that we're on different time zones, though, so I hope they're actually watching right now. The good news right is now. if they miss it, they, <laughs> they can, can show up next service. <laughs> um, good morning. Yes, I, my heart, you know, first of all, I want to comment on the um, statement of the importance of conversation. It's, it's crucial, um, and yes, I, I do believe to a great extent we've lost the ability to have productive conversations. And so um, I welcome this opportunity this morning to have a conversation with you, and it may be imperfect. Uh, the point is not to have a perfect conversation, to say everything just right, to have a well-constructed sentence. Uh, the purpose is just to simply have the conversation. <laughs> and so um, yeah. I, I want to talk to you guys today. I want to share um, what's on my heart. I'm going to be honest. You got, Well, for those of you who know me, you know I'm going to be honest. Um, but my heart has been so heavy lately, um, these past couple of weeks, and I did uh, share that with the staff uh, last week, the heaviness that's been on my heart. Um, and I want people to know I haven't been um, on any public platform. I've had a couple of people ask, why haven't you, you know, chimed in on Facebook? Or It's been intentional. Um, the heaviness that I was feeling, I brought to the Lord, and I just said, Lord, I really don't want to say anything to the masses. <laughs> Um, until I hear from you. And I really wanted the first group of people that I talked to to be you. I wanted my church family to be the first people um, that I had a conversation with. And so I've had, so you haven't seen me on Instagram or any of the social platforms. Um, I wanted this to be the first platform and I wanted you to be the first audience. And so um, that's been very intentional. However, I have had quite a few conversations um, conversations on the phone, emails, texts. Um, I've had quite a few individual conversations. Uh, some of the conversations I have initiated, um, some of the conversations people have called me, emailed, texted me. But 
the majority of the conversations have been with my family members um, who are black people. If you did not know that, I get asked that a lot. Uh, my mother is a black person, my father is a black person. I am a black person. Um, so I've had conversations with my family members and I've had conversations with um, my friends who are also black people. And I would say the recurring words and the recurring themes have been, um, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, I'm angry, and I'm starting to feel hopeless. And I would say that I have felt all of those things to a great degree, except the hopelessness. As Pastor Ryan quoted this morning, scripture tells us that God says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. And I have to remind myself when I read that part, turn from their wicked ways, that he's talking about the people who know him. He's telling us we have to turn from our wicked ways and then he'll heal our land. And so I haven't really felt hopeless because I know that God can do it. I know that it's going to take a lot of work, but I believe he can bring healing to our land. But I have felt angry. I have felt tired um, to the point of exhaustion and I have felt overwhelmed. And so I just wanted to share my heart with you um, this morning Uh, As I went before the Lord, feeling all of those things, I did not want any root of bitterness to settle in. And so I've been talking to the Lord a lot. I talk to him a lot anyway, but I've really been talking to him a lot about the things that I've been feeling. And I just said, Lord, you know, I want the conversation that I have with people to be fruitful and productive, and I want to work towards solutions. And so give me the words to say, help me understand. And so two of the things that I was frustrated with, and I shared this with the staff, um, I've been frustrated, and I, I, I would use the word disappointed with the lack of response from the body of Christ. I've been very disappointed about that. Um, from people that I know personally who are my friends, just to the general big C church, the lack of response. Um, I've been disappointed about it. And I really asked God, I said, God, please help me understand the silence. Help me to understand the almost indifference, um, even if it's unintentional. Uh, I really want to understand it. And God brought two words I feel very clearly to me right away. He brought fear, which I understood. I understand how fear could cause someone to be silent. But he also brought the word distance. And so I needed him to unpack that a little bit because I really didn't understand it. I felt like that word came to me. Um, But distance. And I said, okay, well, Lord, what does that mean? And I feel like what God was saying was sometimes people don't really um, cry out or take a stand or say or do anything until it becomes personal. You know, you can watch a news story and you can see something horrific happen and you can feel bad about it and you can pray about it, but until it touches you personally, um, you don't really do anything about it because sometimes the attitude is, well, what can I do? I don't know that person. I don't live in that community. I don't even know if what they're saying on the news is real. Like there may be a backstory that I don't know about. Um, and so I think sometimes because it feels so distant, um, we don't, we're, we're slower to act. We're slower to speak because it's not personal to us. And so I just wanted to make it personal today <laughs> because I wanted to share with you my story and I wanted to share with you some of my experiences so that you know that um, there are people that you um, live near who are in your neighborhood um, there are people that you work beside who are your coworkers. There are people that you worship with who on a daily basis experience things that you don't. 
Um, and so I wanted to share that with you, and I wanted to make it personal. So <clears throat> I wanted to start out by sharing a story that I shared with the staff on Tuesday. Um, I was at a conference a couple of years ago, and the conference speaker, who is well-known, I'm not going to say her name because I, oh, I dislike um, quoting people because I always feel like if I get it wrong, then I've attached their name to the quote. So I'm not going to say her name. She is a well-known conference speaker. Um, and she was sharing, and she started out her time of sharing by, and this was about two years ago, um, she started out her um, time of sharing by uh, telling a story. Uh, she had a, a young son, and I believe she said he was 22, about to get married, and she said a couple of days before his wedding, she pulled him aside and said, son, we need to have the talk. And she said, of course, he's blushing and like, oh my goodness, mom, I'm too old to have the talk, I already know this, but she had the talk. <laughs> with him. And so she was uh, telling this to um, a friend of hers who was a black person. And she said she began to talk about, you know, how she had the talk with her son. And when she finished, um, she said her friend said to her, well, I had a talk with my son also. And their sons were about the same age. They grew up together. They were friends. And she said, this is what my talk looked like with my son. I said, son, uh, be home before dark. Son, uh, if you're going to be on that side of town, make sure you're with other people. Uh, son, don't have any part of your face covered. Don't wear a cap. Don't wear a hood. Son, always make sure that your hands are clearly seen. And she went on to talk. And, and the conference speaker said that a light bulb went off for her. She said, it was in that moment that I realized something. She said, I realized that even though my friend and I live in the same country, our worlds were very different. The worlds that we lived in were very different. And so um, I want to say that to you this morning, that I live in your community. We go to the same church. We even have some of the same friends. But oftentimes, my world looks different than yours. And I don't talk about it a lot, and that's going to change. I feel like God said, no, um, if you want people to have honest conversations with you, then you need to share your story. And so I don't talk about it a lot. It happens. I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm going to talk about it today because I do need for you to understand that as a black person, my world often looks different than yours. My experiences often look different than yours. And I'm not talking about a one and done, a one-time comment, a one-time. I'm talking about on a consistent basis. This is what my world often looks like. I don't want the fact that I'm reading some things from a piece of paper to uh, cause you to feel like it's not sincere or genuine or heartfelt. I just wanted to make sure that I say it the way I wrote it. So I'm going to read some things for you. Um, this is what my world often looks like. Um, I am often told that I'm very articulate for a black person. And when I've had phone conversations with people and then they meet me in person, they say, oh, I didn't know you were black. You sound so articulate on the phone. That's not a compliment. I've been told that I'm very smart for a black person and had the person honestly be shocked when I said that's not a compliment. They didn't realize that. Um, I have been on many occasions followed around a store until I bought something or left. Um, I have been told that um, I should have adopted black children because I'm black and how can I relate to them? I have been glared at when I walk into an upscale restaurant or hotel with a sister of mine who her skin is about as dark as an Oreo. Um, when we walk into an upscale restaurant, and this actually happened last year, uh, we were on vacation, and um, stared at, and I would say glared at, to the point where we felt uncomfortable and thought maybe we should leave because we didn't want any trouble to be started. 
Um, I fear for the safety of my nephews. They are all over six feet, uh, look very intimidating, uh, wouldn't hurt a flea. <laughs> um, but to someone who doesn't know them, um, they, they might look threatening. And so I, I pray to the Lord often, Lord, when they leave the house, please let them return. <laughs> please keep them from harm. I had a conversation with my 29-year-old niece who lives in North Carolina, and um, she's already just fatigued uh, at the thought of how much work has to be done and is beginning to wonder, is this really going to change? You know, Aunt Sindra, this is what it was like when you were born in the 60s. And it's still like this today. Is it really going to change? And so hearing a disheartened young person um, who is already feeling the weight of it and feeling fatigued by that weight. Um, I have been denied one job that I know of for sure, but probably others. But I know for sure I was denied this job, and I'll tell you why. Because the store owner told me. <laughs> he, uh, he looked at me. I had my application in my hand, and he looked at me and said, uh, I am required to have 2% of my workforce be minorities. I have reached my quota, and I don't want any more. And he didn't even take my application out of my hand. Uh, so I know for sure I didn't get that job because of my color, but I suspect that there were other jobs that I didn't get because of that. Um, if you're wondering, yes, I have been called the N-word many times. I've had things thrown at me before. Um, and so... I want you to know that these aren't as gruesome and um, horrific as maybe what you've seen on TV, but the day in, day out experience of that, having your existence um, minimized or devalued, it causes you to be weary. It just wears you out. And I'm feeling very weary these days. And that weariness then turns to anger. And let me tell you why it turns to anger. Because when I do speak out, I hear things like, oh, another angry black woman. Oh, playing the race card again. My experience is then minimized. And the pain, it's invalidated. And so now the weariness turns to anger because I'm not even being heard. And so I just need for you, family, to understand this. I need for you who are not of the black community to understand that your sisters and brothers in Christ who are black people experience this. It's real, and I want it to be personal. I want it to cause you to say, enough. This is happening to my friend. This is happening to my pastor. I'm not standing for that anymore. And to be completely honest with you, it shouldn't take it happening to your pastor. The outrage has to be just as great when it happens to someone we don't know as when it happens to someone that we do. And so I just need you to hear my heart on that. I've really been battling anger and bitterness um, because I just can't continue to see this happen. I just, I can't. <laughs> and um, I feel like my, um, my own silence has contributed to the problem. And so I'm not going to be silent anymore. I'm not going to start going on angry rants, <laughs> but I am going to be speaking about it a lot more. It's going to be a conversation that I'm having a lot more with a lot more people. So yeah, conversation is crucial. And um, I don't know if you want to speak to it at this point, but um, we have had a very personal yeah, I'm gonna read it. Uh, situation happen in our own church. And so, Pastor Ryan, yeah, I, uh, you know, one of the things Lucy said to us in our, um, in our staff meeting was, uh, 
she's like, I know, and I hope it's okay that I share this. I, I know that you guys love, love me, uh, every one of you. I know that you have the, the best intentions. Uh, she said, but if I went to HEB and um, was accosted or mistreated, she's like, I know that our church, I mean, our church, we would rise up. We'd be upset. They're like, not our pastor, Lucy, no, not today. And the response to that was, but why does it have to wait until then? So, I, you know, I'm coming from a perspective here. I, I will just, full disclosure, I've shared this with Lucy. I, there, is a, there is ignorance in my life. Uh, and there's, um, I don't think our church is racist, but I hope you hear my heart because I'm owning this myself. And as the leader goes, so goes the church. I think there's a, I think there's a level of ignorance that exists among us. Maybe not all of us, but, but among many of us. And, and that's concerning to me. I, I, as, a, as a pastor, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. Proverbs talks about the... Um, the, the faithful wounds, uh, or faithful are the wounds of a friend. And it's really addressing like that correction, that, that faithful correction that is your pastor. If you, if you consider me your pastor, that this, this would be, um, this would be a, a faithful wound, a, a friendly wound that would just say, yes, it hurts to be corrected. It's, it hurts for us to look introspectively to see how are we con- contributing to this. I will tell you that on Tuesday when we gathered as a staff and Lucy shared with us, it hurt bad. But I know that she's a friend. I know that, that she's not trying to wound me, she's trying to help me, and, and I would just say the same thing to you. See, this is, we, we, we think that we are removed from this, and after I sent out uh, kind of a little bit of a message and an email on Tuesday night uh, to our church um, and an invitation to go to kind of a rally. It was a worship and, and prayer rally, which some of you were able to, to join us with. And, um, you know, even in that, I was like, there was some hesitation on my part. Like, do I go to this? Um, because I don't want it to be seen as some sort of, of token uh, gesture or something along those lines. And, and as I've been talking to some of my black friends this last week, I'm just constantly reminded that anything, like just do something, is, is important. But if we think that it doesn't, that, that there's not an ignorance that exists within our church, and I think honestly what I'm about to read to you is probably a little bit more than that, but I sent this out and uh, and I got this response on Wednesday morning, and I'm just going to read it to you. I'm not going to give the person's name, but it says, Good morning, Pastor Ryan. I want to thank you for the message you sent out yesterday. I realized that uh, it was sent to the masses, but God certainly knew I needed it. I've remained on your emailing distribution and was about to ask to be removed literally right before I received the email. I decided to read it. Bless God and you for the words and sentiments you shared. This is someone who... Um, was a part of our church uh, back in 2019, July and August, and uh, was a part of our dream team. Now, le- now let me tell you why that email you sent me was for me. On our last Sunday there, I was working the greeting area and had someone tap me on the shoulder and make the following statement. 
can you work another area as blank, intentionally leaving the name blank, asked and is scared of you? It took every ounce of me to hold back my tears and quite honestly, a few choice words, which I would have been okay with. All I could muster was, what is blank scared of, that I'm another human? I confided in my husband what happened, and like most husbands, he wanted to fix it, and I told him no. We made it through the sermon, and I just went home defeated. I was angry and hurt at the same time. I, want what most would consider, I am what most would consider a people person. I love God, I love people, and I love showing it. I can't imagine that I displayed anything less than God's love while volunteering there and attending service. But when that member made that statement, it immediately triggered something that I didn't even know was an issue for me, the negative label of angry black woman. It was all I could think of, and it cut deep. That's not me. never has been, and it never will be. Those that know me were so shocked as I had conversations about my experience. So to read... To see and read your words meant so much, and it reminded me that one person does not represent all in any organization. I'm including Pastor Lucy on this email. Lucy reached out to her. We, she disappeared. We didn't know where she went. We tried to track her down. She kind of avoided our, uh, our attempts, Lucy's attempts at that. And, uh, and I share that with you. Not, this isn't about shaming people. This isn't about making you feel worse than we already feel maybe in this time. It's just that there, as I said last week and what Lucy's talking about is it needs to be personal to us. There needs to be a personalization that takes place because I'm afraid that's the only thing that it's going to, or I'm afraid that's the thing it's going to take for us to do something. And, and, and so I, I share that with you in just sadness that that would even exist. And it may not be that blatant. Our ignorance may not be that blatant. It, it may be just a comment. Uh, you know, we talked about that from this last week, that there's, there's just flippant comments that are made that are kind of these social jokes that just are not helpful in this discussion. And again, I say, that, I say this with the, with the realization and the understanding that, how do I say this? This is probably the time I'm going to put my foot in my mouth. Um, in my conversations this last week with, with friends of mine, with friends of yours, with congregation members, you know, one of the things that I've been, I've been challenged with is, is you will you will find someone, anyone, to, in any circumstance, to agree with your narrative. And what's really dangerous is when we start listening to one person who agrees with us and, and making that a blanket, um, a, a blanket stereotype or a blanket thing for every black person. And that's been happening lately. There has been black people who are, who are on social media. They have a large platform, and they're saying things, and you're like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. And so we're reposting it, and we're saying this. And, and I'm just saying, sometimes that's not helpful. I'm not saying that people are wrong even in that. But what I'm saying is that's not helpful. What is helpful is sitting down and having a conversation with someone and having them be able to share how they feel. And here's the reality, is all of what the world has to offer are, are 
political. Their laws, their governments, their, their governance. It's, it's, and, and here's what I heard last week. is law, You can make all the laws that you want, but it won't change the heart. And that's the problem. This is a heart issue. And so what happens is we, we say, well, there's laws in place to protect our black brothers and sisters. And we're like, yeah, but the law doesn't change the heart. And this is a heart issue. And we have to change our hearts. Oh, thank you. Um, so I, in my conversations um, with friends um, who are not black, <laughs> they, I, I've heard this statement a lot. I just don't know what to do. Um, and I think it's important that that statement gets changed um, and a question is formed. Instead of saying, I don't know what to do, um, change it to, what can I do? Um, so just even that simple changing the statement, I don't know what to do to, to a question, what can I do, uh, is helpful because then that starts a conversation. Um, so I, I have some suggestions for you. <laughs> and, um, and I'm being sincere. Um, honestly, for those who, who say, I literally don't know what to do. Um, I've just written some things down. Um, first and foremost, if you know a black person and you haven't called them, to ask them how they're doing, do it. When you leave here today, call them and say, how are you doing? How's your heart? Um, pray with them, pray for them. Um, let your friends know that you are in this with them, that you are standing together with them. Um, there is an entire race of people that have been burdened for far too long, and we need to know that we have people who are going to stand with us. Okay can't do it alone and we're not supposed to. Uh, when you see something, for me, this is one of the most important things that I have written down. When you see something, say something, do something. If you see it, the onus is on you to do it. Don't go call your black friend or don't go call somebody else. If you see it, if you heard it, you say something, you do something. And um, I heard, uh, so this is a friend of a friend, so a friend of mine told this story about her friend. Uh, they both live in North Carolina, and she said um, one of her friends, who is a white woman, was in a grocery store. She was standing behind a black woman. The black woman was trying to purchase her groceries with a check, and the cashier was just giving her all kinds of trouble, was asking for more ID, even though the woman had presented her driver's license, asking for more ID, saying she would have to wait, put her groceries aside until she could talk to a manager, and she's just going on and on and on, the cashier is. And um, the white woman said, I just tapped uh, the black woman who was standing in front of me on the shoulder and said, can, can I just say something real quick? And so the woman said, yes. And uh, the white woman said to the white cashier, I was here not three days ago and purchased groceries with a check. The only identification that was required was an ID. Why are you asking more from her? Why does she need to, get a, why does she need to wait for you to get a manager? And she said the cashier was kind of like, oh, okay, and you know, begrudgingly let the lady through. That's what we're talking about. If you see something, please have the courage to say something. It's really that simple, and I say it's that simple, but it does require courage. Yeah. Um, and so if you need courage, just ask God. <laughs> ask him to give you the courage. He will do it. But if you see it, if you hear it, say something. We, there's got to be accountability, and it, it has to be confronted. Um, number three, um, let's educate ourselves, and this, having conversations like this is part of educating ourselves, but quite honestly, if you've never heard a story and you say, I don't even know a black person, like I personally don't know a black person to even ask to hear their story, podcasts, <laughs> documentaries, um, 
reading books, having discussions. Edu let's educate ourselves. And I do want to say this. I have an asterisk. It's all bold, caps, <laughs> everything. Um, the book that we should be picking up the most is the Bible. Yeah. And the reason that that should be the book that we're turning to the most is because it has a whole lot to say about the conduct of people who are citizens of heaven. It has a whole lot to say about that. Um, it has a whole lot to say about the condition of our heart. Uh, as Pastor Ryan said, and I 100% agree, it's a heart issue. And so um, if the heart doesn't change, actions won't follow because our actions flow from our heart. Yeah. So we need to be reading the Bible more than any other book that we read. That's, that's really where we need to be educating ourselves first and foremost as people of God. Um, and then the last thing is broaden your circle intentionally. We've talked about this before, but if you sit down with 10 of your friends and all 10 of them look exactly like you, <laughs> um, that's where maybe you can start. Broaden your circle intentionally. Invite someone who looks different than you, who's had different experiences than you, so that you guys can share perspectives. And it's not a one-way street. I'm going to learn from Pastor Ryan, and he's going to learn from me. That's and true. so that's, that's where that's it has true. to start. Um, and so, yeah, so honestly, if you've said to me, and I've had a lot of people say to me, I just don't know what to do. I've given you four things to do. And there are more, but we don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard it said uh, this way. I was listening to a podcast, and as I've been talking to some of my friends, I'm uh, getting a lot of recommendations on movies and podcasts and, and things. It's like, we just want you to hear our hearts. And, uh, and one of the things that was said was, um, he was a little bit more blunt than, than you were being, uh, but he essentially said to the church, stop saying, I, don't, I just don't know what to do. You know what to do, you just don't want to do it. And when I heard that, it messed me up because it was like, he's right. He's right. We just don't want to do it. And we need to be challenged outside of that to do something. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're probably going to have to wrap yeah. this up. I, I was concerned we weren't going to have enough time and we could probably go uh, and maybe we will. Um, here's my concern is that this is a 24 uh, We live in a 24 hour news cycle world. My concern is that um, that this issue that's been raised as it has been in the past um, goes away. And it can't. This isn't an easy solution. This isn't an easy fix, and it's not a quick fix. It's going to take time. It's going to take uncomfortable conversations. We totally see we're like, as a staff, because the rest of our staff is white. Paul thinks he's Filipino, but we know he's white. So <laughs> the reality is, is we look at Lucy, and we're like, we're going to say stupid things. And she's like, I don't care. I would rather you just say something, ask me questions, ask me how I'm feeling. Instead of just um, Radio remaining silence. silent, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which we did, which we've apologized for. And that's another thing that I've been hearing from my friends is they're not looking for an apology. They're not looking for an apology. They, you haven't done anything to harm them or hurt them. They're just looking for understanding. They're looking for you to stand with them because they're tired. They're tired of fighting this fight. So this is what we're going to do as a church. We're going to go into some worship time um, got emotional there for a second. I don't even know why. Um, we, want to, uh, we want to be a part of the solution. Um, we have some books available. Uh, this is, may end up becoming our summer sermon series uh, because I don't want this to go away. And, and if you get to a point to where you're like, I got this, I know this, there's probably a little bit more than you can learn because 
Uh, I can't tell you how many times as I've talked to my white friends, I'm not racist. How, how many times have I said that? I'm not racist. I got, I got a black woman on my staff. I mean, she's in leadership, and, uh, and I'm not racist. But I am finding that I am more ignorant than I realized. And, and it's okay to admit that. It's okay. It doesn't make us bad people. It just is the recognition that we... Listen, I have recognized, and I used to hate it, and I shouldn't even go into it, probably second service if you want me to explain it more. But I have white privilege. I do. And it's a trigger word for all of us white people who are like, we're like, because it, it feels bad. It makes us feel bad. And it makes us feel like we didn't work for what we have and, what, and that, we don't, that what we have wasn't earned and some of those things. And it has nothing to do with any of that. It's just the recognition, as Lucy said at the beginning, we live in two different worlds. We do. When I tell my son as he goes out as a driver, I don't warn him about things. I don't tell him to stay off of some side of this town and different things that was said in that. It's a different world that, that I live in, and I recognize that, and it's okay to admit that and not denigrate all of the hard work that you put in in your life to get to where you're at. So we have this book available. It's called uh, The Roadmap to Reconciliation. Uh, this is free to you. Uh, we have some available. We ordered them this week. We didn't get all of them in. And so uh, I would just ask that you just take one for, per couple uh, or family unit. Um, and, uh, and this is our gift to you. And we are going to be going through this, I, I, I believe, as a church, as, as we uh, begin to unpack what does it look like. To, and this is a Christian book. Uh, this is uh, from uh, a pastor who spoke at a convention of ours, recent, uh, actually a couple years ago. Uh, and um, I believe this is a biblical solution to what we're dealing with in this world because we know all of what the world is trying to solve this problem with is not going to do it. It's going to take our hope, which is in Christ Jesus, and it's going to take the church having these kinds of conversations and being willing to step into biblical moral issues for our world to change. Listen, we love you guys. We do. This is not a, uh, a slap on the wrist or, a, you know, or anything along. This isn't a punishment. This is, I hope, a conversation that will begin to lead us to look at ourselves and say, what can we do to be a part of the solution?